0: Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington.
1: And this is Bobby Gaither, Whoa, pastor. Well, I, I said it right. You did? I, you know, I, I was just going to continue on. All right, all right, go ahead. Like, You're Bobby Gaither. Like that's go the way it, it happens every time, even though it's not. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. Go Hillsborough. All right, my man. So today we are going to talk about... The book of James, and you're actually preaching. I am. The book of I, James. So hey, do you want to uh, kick it off? I mean, I could start off with I have all these questions. You have all these questions. I have all, all these awesome. questions. <laughs> um, but so, it, yeah, we, we are
0: only two sermons in on the book of James. Um, you know, wrestling last spring about what we had preached this fall and just really felt impressed that we were to preach in the book of James Um, just where we are as a church right now, we're wrestling with how do we live out our faith, um, especially locally where we've really grown in what it looks like to do mission overseas, to partner overseas. We're making great strides that way, but we're really trying to also wrestle with, okay, what does it look like here locally? Um. For us as a church, corporately, as we serve and individually, and man, God just brought the book of James, so we are two weeks
1: in. I'm excited about preaching it. Awesome. Awesome. Do, do you want to, before you jump into what you're uh, preaching through as far as the content and the theme, when people hear the book of James, uh, what do they naturally respond with or, or what, what maybe um, is, is the natural thought Um, or objections to the book of James? Um, Maybe we'll do
0: one historical and then one more present day. Historically, I think Martin Luther, like we were talking about this earlier, Martin Luther did not care for the book of James. I think he even said he would like to rip it out of the New Testament. Um, Martin Luther saw James. uh, He saw, he thought that it was void of the gospel, and so he was like, there's no gospel in James. It doesn't belong in there. And, and so I think that's a misconception that James writes very differently from Paul. James is probably the first, first New Testament letter that we have probably written around 44 AD. While I think Corinthians and some of the others are some of the first letters from Paul, which might be 48 to 50 AD. So this is, you know, six to eight years before anything mm. Paul wrote. James is addressing what does it look like to live As someone who is saved, Paul talks about how does one get saved? Yes. Uh, So they're really looking at different things. Uh, Paul's looking at how is one justified? James is really looking at saying, okay, because we're justified, this is what sanctification looks like. Uh, Well,
1: and, and for Martin Luther as well, I mean, why? What was it about the book of James that made Martin Luther want to rip it out of the Bible?
0: Well, I mean, it says you know we're not justified by by faith alone, but by works um, in chapter two, and so he he could not swallow that very well, um, and he just thought that that it, the gospel was not in the book of James. Well,
1: and, and if you look at also his his background, right, as a, right. as a, as a right. Catholic okay. monk, right, okay, yeah. So so he's coming from a place of um, works and penance and. And being justified um, by spe- specific rituals and other things. I mean, just go back to the Reformation. Right. Right. And Culturally, James was really hard at that time. So James was really hard at that time, especially in the context that, that Martin was, was coming to faith in. I mean, right. And, and, and he felt it was in such contrast to the passages in Romans specifically. Right. I think it's Romans 5. Uh, or we are, therefore, we are justified by faith. Right, right. So, so he was seeing it as something completely totally at odds with each at, other. At odds with each other. When, when I, I think where we're going is you're going to help explain why they're not at odds. Right. So
0: that'd be more the historical objection. <laughs> Man, you gotta excuse what me. About, I'm like fighting something in my head right day. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Present day. I think. I think many Christians have at least read James, or they know that James has a lot of commands. And there's, there's about 51 to 59 commands in the book of James, which means there's one for about every other verse, which means James is doing, in a sense, a lot of like finger pointing, like you need to do this, do this, do this, do this. And I think that's really hard uh, to listen to. And I think sometimes it feels like a fire hose is coming at you. And I think sometimes Christians feel maybe a little beat up, like, man, I'm not doing this well. I'm not doing this well. He's just telling me I need to do all these things. And so I think we feel like James is placing a great weight or burden on us uh, that, that we need to try to measure up to. And so I think sometimes people avoid it. Uh, because Because of level of guilt and the way they perceive that James is writing it
1: well and and we we love in our day and age our autonomy and our freedom from authority we, yes. we love being our own authority, so to be told that this is what this should look like, it just rubs against well just my flesh it rubs against yes the, i don 't think that 's a I think that's, that's since Adam and Eve, you know, since Sin of the Garden. But, man, our, the culture and society today is already set against authority. Yes. And so to have someone come and say, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, I
0: think that's what's so refreshing about James. Because how many times, like you as a pastor and me, we're talking with people, and people basically are like, man, what does it look like to live by faith? People, people wish that sometimes th- they think, th- they wish it was a little more clear. They wish it was a little more straightforward. And I'm like, man, that, that's what James is. Uh, now, James is different. Like Paul, Paul writes, uh, like the book of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3 is heavy theology. Then 4, 5, and 6 is application. Or like Romans, Romans chapters 1 through 11 is theology. Chapters 12 through 16 is, is really fleshing that out. Yeah, that's his form. But but James from the very beginning is just, you know, this is what it looks like lived out. Like, it's just flesh and faith out, which I, I think for us today, trying to wrestle through, yeah. man, what does it look like to live by faith? Um, if I'm to be growing in my faith, what does that look like? Yeah. What are some measurables, in a sense? Mm-hmm. James gives us that. So I think it's refreshing yeah. to go, man, th- this is what my life ought to look like.
1: So, so one comment, and then let's jump into it. Yeah. It reminds me of the Didache a little bit, just as you're talking. The what? The The Didache. Or Didachi, or however you want to pronounce like it. I've heard it Didache. I've heard it Didachi. I've heard it. You know, it's which is basically this first century list of do's and don'ts of the early church that they accepted. Yeah, that that was a normal part of their, you know, their reading, and and it, it was it was kind of their how-to manual, yeah. right? It, it was almost like, oh, ooh, we well, have to be careful if I say this. Almost like their church bylaws or the church. What? Yes. Like, this is how we're going to operate inside the body. And so James has a lot of those commands. It just, it it, it feels very practical. Uh, So why why don't you take us into it? All right.
0: Well, so chapter one, chapter one starts out with James saying, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So he just jumps right in on the deep end. He's like, hey, let's talk about trials. But he basically says, look, God will bring trials in your life, as a means to, to test your faith, to show the genuineness of it. And then he says in verse 12, the whole point is that we would receive the crown of life. So God brings trials that would mature us, so we'd receive the crown of life. And then, like on the flip side of that, he then says, but when, when these trials come, God uses them for trials, but the sin in your heart is going to turn them into temptations. And he talks about how sometimes we'll try to blame God um, or blame whatever it is uh, for, for the, the temptation that's coming into our life. And when we blame other things, we actually get to justify why we sinned. So like going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Um, when Adam and Eve are in the garden, the serpent comes in, tempts, uh, tempts Eve, Eve eats it, Adam eats the fruit. God walks in the garden and like, what do they do? Everyone's like finger pointing. Adam is like, well, the woman you gave me. So Adam points his fingers at the woman and God. And then, and then God turns to Eve and she's like, well, the serpent made me do it. Now, the whole point of that is that they're justifying their sin by, by saying that they're victims
1: Blame shifting, yeah.
0: Right. They're, they're saying, well, it's your fault. It's the woman's fault. It's serpent's fault. It's, it's not my fault. Therefore, if it's not my fault, I can't be held accountable to it. And so James is saying right from the very beginning, hold on. These temptations come from your heart, come from within you. And he says in verse, I think it's verse uh, 13, that... Uh, Yeah, verse 13, I am being tempted uh, by God, for God himself cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so God uses trials so we'd receive the crown of life, but the sin in our hearts will pervert those trials into temptations. And those temptations want to bring us to death, and so I think James is really opening up uh, the path. These two paths before us: are we going to pursue uh, pursue maturity uh, by faith in Christ and receive the crown of life, or will we reject our faith uh, and will we fall into temptation and will we go towards death?
1: So, our temptations themselves would you would you consider them
0: trials? Well I think I think tempta- I think Charles bring about the temptations. Um, I think the temptations though come from our hearts though. Like the the desires that are within us because he says verse 13 let's see uh, no verse 14 each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Sure. So when the temptation w- When whatever happens outside of me comes my way, it's what's in my heart that creates that temptation, though. Um, And, like, I I think David and Bathsheba is a good example. Like, you know, David, he's up on top of his, uh, up on top of his palace. He's walking, nothing wrong. He sees a beautiful woman bathing. That is common practice. Nothing wrong at this moment. David can look away. Like, the temptation is there, but he can still walk away at this moment. But then he begins to play with that temptation and his desires grow and grow, which eventually we know how that takes place. Um, he takes Bathsheba, kills her husband, and has a baby.
1: Yeah, one, one analogy um, I think is, is apt is uh, the, the heart is like a sponge. Yeah. And temptation or trial, should I say, uh, squeezes that sponge and you see what comes out of the heart. Yeah. Uh, you see if there's dirt. Yeah. yeah. That's what comes out of the heart. But as he goes forward, then James
0: is basically saying, um, the way we overcome temptation and really the way we live the Christian life is by, by knowing the word, by receiving the word. Like if you go to verse 21 it says, therefore put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Um, and then he says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. So I think James is, is kind of setting us up for saying, all right, you're going to regularly have trials that come your way and God is using them to build you, but your sin within you is going to want to, to bring about temptations and, and to try to get you to stumble and fall. Therefore, what we need to do is be in the Word of God. And then he says, but, but to receive the Word is not just reading the Word, not just going from A to Z, not just starting in Genesis, ending in Revelation, you know, finishing our Bible reading plans, but he says, but be Doers of the word. And he says, you know, in, in order to be, and I think he fleshes out what, what it looks like to be a doer of the word when he gets into like verse 26. He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, he, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So he hits three topics right there um, our tongue, caring, for needy people, and then living kind of in a holy life, and that's really the outline of the rest of the book. So I think what he's doing, he's setting us up in this first chapter on the way we live by faith, the way we overcome temptation, the way we persevere in trials, is through the word of God, and it's as we live the word of God, this is what that's going to produce. We're going to uh, care for people, we're going to bridle our tongues, and we're going to live a holy life, and that's, that's really The outline of the book. Um, And he just starts walking through. This is what that looks like. Um, So that's why I think James is, is super helpful. He he shows the necessity of the word and it's through the word that we're then going to grow in our knowledge of God and live by faith.
1: Okay. So you said something in the beginning of this podcast that I want to go back to and and push through a little bit. Uh, You said that James is saying we are justified by our works. Yes. Okay, show show us that, and then let's talk about it.
0: All right, so if we go to chapter 2, and there's a section from verse 14 to 26 where basically James is is talking about um, what it looks like to live by faith. And he says, like, verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So can a faith that does not produce works is that real faith? That's really the question he says. And then uh, he basically says, look, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the, the things needed for the body, what good is that? He then says, so also faith by itself, is does, if it does not have works, is dead. So his opening point is that like words by themselves mean nothing but But our words, our faith is supposed to produce action. And if there's no action, then, then the words behind it, the faith behind it is empty. And so, fast forward all the way down to uh, verse 24, and he says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit
1: is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out because the reformer cry,
0: Ah, faith alone. Is
1: sola fide. Yes. Right? Faith alone, faith alone. And yet, so what I'm seeing in Scripture here is that it's not faith alone. Is that, that, is that what he's saying? Well, so this, is, this brings us back
0: to, to how we read the Bible. Okay. And, and what we said earlier, when we're in Paul, Paul largely talks about how we get justified, um, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Like,
1: okay, those are, well, those are, those are the soles.
0: Right. And so he's he's really showing us how we get saved. And that's why Paul will talk a lot about the depravity of our sins, like in Romans chapter 3, where he talks about how all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um,
1: what I'm thinking about, I mean, just just in contrast, I'm yeah. thinking Abraham believed, right? he had faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness, right? I mean, that goes all the way back to Genesis, I want to say 16. Right. Um, but what James is saying... Is without works, there. So, what is he saying? So, so
0: James is more fleshing out that the person who is saved, if he says that he has faith, but there's no works, then that faith isn't real. Then there is but no faith for the. For the one who is saved, our works are what justify our faith. Our works give evidence of our faith. Okay, That's what he's really pointing to is, is it's by our lifestyle that we show we have faith. Because if I say, man, uh, uh, I don't know, like like those trust falls. Like, you know, I stand up on the table and I'm like, look, I, I don't need to fall back. I, I I have faith you guys will catch me. But I don't actually fall. I don't actually, you know lean backwards and let you catch me, then I don't actually have faith. It's, it's my, me actually falling back that I'm trusting you. It's, it's the actions that prove my faith now. uh, And so that's what James is fleshing out here. So he's saying, look, when you see people who, who are needy, your faith ought to move you to help them. If you have no inclination to help, to serve, to come alongside, then you need to question your faith. Um, Hebrews 11 does a really good job on this. Like when we go through Hebrews 11, we see all these heroes of the faith and everyone is like, wow, these guys are awesome, man. Look, look at Abraham. He goes, you know, leaves his land and all this. And, uh, he goes to the promised land. Moses leaves all his education and everything in order to take God's people into the wilderness and all that. And, And we see all these people who are kind of the great heroes of the faith. But if we look at it, they all lived according to faith. They all, their lives produced there was an action. action, yeah. And so that's what James is really fleshing out is if our lives do not look like Christ, if we're not helping others, if our faith is not... W- is not changing the way we speak. That's the whole, as he gets into chapter three, taming the tongue. If it's not affecting the way we spend our money, if it's not affecting our interactions with other people, uh, then we need to come back to our faith and say, do we actually truly believe? Because what James is showing is that our faith affects everything in our Christian life. And he really hits on, on three things on caring for people on taming the tongue and on, on living a holy life. Um, So that's what James is trying to do. He's not saying that we're saved by works plus faith. Not that we have to earn something. So it's not, you know, you have to be baptized in order to be saved. He's not saying you have to help people and serve them in order to be saved. But he's saying, if you are saved, this faith is going to be evidenced by your works. And if you have no works, then like he says in verse 26... For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works yeah. is dead. If you ha- if your life is not increasingly becoming like Christ, then we need to go back and, and wrestle, do we actually believe?
1: Yeah, and I think part of what... Is that clear? Sorry. Yeah, it is, totally. Okay. And, and I think, um, two comments. One is, if, if, in the church today it's almost like people are offended in the church pew I'm pointing on our chairs uh if if we ask them to question whether they're saved and you see that all throughout scripture you see yeah. Jesus questioning uh uh who is true Israel, especially to the Pharisees, right. people who thought, I mean, the, the warm, comfortable, man, I got my religious acts down. And those are the people who who had all the visible signs, you know, of righteousness, but weren't righteous and, you know, spiritually. Right. And they were born again. Um, and now James is a, is really an apt word, especially to the American, or you know, Western Christian. Um, yeah. Hey, you come to church on Sunday. Great. You believe that God exists. Great. You believe Jesus was the Son of God. Great. The the demons demons believe that, and they shudder. Do you really have faith? Well, it's evidenced in your life. Does your life revolve around? Does your life, uh, is your the way you talk change? Changed. Do you do you do you pursue holiness? Do you care for those around you? Um, And so, what what I'm seeing is this. I'm not a math geek by any means, uh, but transitive property, okay? And I could be wrong. This is going to be totally totally out to lunch. Where are you bringing these words from? um, I don't know. How many Uh, years ago was that? It's like middle school, okay? Yeah. Uh, So if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: I'm tracking. Okay. I'm so impressed right now. (laughs) But A is still A.
1: A is A. Faith is still what saves you. This is how I'm understanding it. But without that works... Without the works, is that, that what faith produces? Right? right. Because are we saying that work saves you, or are we saying that faith saves you when it's evidenced by works? Faith saves you, evidence by works. Okay. And, 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 that's, and that's what, you know, well, why do people struggle with James? Well, because we would say, well, James is saying, he says right there, you see, a person is justified by works not by faith alone. Well, what does he mean by that? Right. And see, okay. that's
0: where we really have to come back Think to context. The
1: whole context. Yeah.
0: And now Catholics will take this and they'll say, well, this is, this is what we're saying. Yeah. You have to be saved by works. Yeah. We've been saying this all along. Yeah. But they're missing the context of the book of James. James is never emphasizing salvation by works. You know, you, you bring up a really good point by, there's a lot of people that are offended by this confrontation to their faith. And I think that's because there's been a lot of very poor gospel presentations. And I think most I think there's a lot of people in church who have who were told the gospel and said, hey, do you want to believe? This is your decision. Do you want to believe in Jesus? And that was really the extent. Of the gospel. I mean, they talked to him about Jesus died, rose again. Do you want to believe in that? This is up to you. Your free choice. Yeah. Will you believe? But they did not also walk through and say, look, and when you believe, the spirit comes in you. And the spirit's going to lead you to live like Jesus. And this means, and you know, it fleshes out what that looks like. And shows the hope that we have of Christ returning. And so a lot of our gospel presentations have stopped short. They just said, look, Jesus died for you. Do you want that? Good. Believe in your good. Whereas salvation is not so much a decision, but it's transformation. It's, it's about going from death to life, from, from, uh, from being a son of, of Satan, in a sense. No, that's actually what Jesus says. In, yeah, okay. So in John, not in a sense. John to being adopted into the very family of God of so that we would become sons of God. As yes. Galatians 4 says, we now cry out, Abba, Father. Yeah. And so because we've gone from death to life, because we're now adopted to a new family, we live differently. And so we need to see that when we're pressing on people's life, it's, it's not because you know we want to say that people aren't saved, but we want to say, look, this faith that saves us, transforms us, and causes us to live radically yeah. different
1: lives. Yeah. Well, and, and, the, and again, going back to the gospel, unfortunately... That in many churches is preached is inept. It's 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 uh, truncated, um, or the wrong things are emphasized, or maybe not the whole story given. Because what what will what would draw people, or should I say, what has been one of the main pressure points in preaching the gospel is: Do you want to be saved from hell? No. Right, hell's not a popular topic of the day, anyways. Nobody anymore. wants to go to hell. But but twenty thirty years ago, when it was more accepted that God would punish for eternity those who who wouldn't come into submission right. and, and and believe in His Son, uh, that was the pressure point. And and it's still a reality. It's a truth and a reality. Yeah, who wouldn't want, as some would call. It fire insurance, right? And so, so the the gospel presentation was a, a, a sales pitch for fire insurance, and yeah. and who wouldn't want to say yes? That's I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy. There's a lot of people who've been scared into it's, into accepting Jesus, and and part of what we're saying, and I think part of what James is saying, is that true faith is evidenced by the transformation of your heart yeah because when the gospel is truly presented and and you see it with your spiritual eyes, you see jesus as second corinthians four right uh the, the the gospel, the glory of God has shown into our hearts, you see it as glorious, you see the beauty of Jesus, and your heart and all of your actions move towards seeing, displaying uh loving him and I, yeah. and, I, and I think that's part of what James is saying, right yeah. Um, is it that that heart change is evidenced in, I think, I think James is like, like Jesus and,
0: and Matthew will say, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second like it is to love your neighbor as yourself. James is really fleshing out what it looks like to love our neighbor. You know the way we care for people, the way we speak with people, the way we uh, we live, and the way we treat them. Um, he's fleshing that out, and so he's saying, "Okay, if you love God, this is how that's going to play out in all of your relationships. You're going to be inclined to help, to encourage, to come alongside, to bear one another's burdens." You know, and I think to come back to like what we're talking about the the living out, the transformation. One reason I think it's particularly like James is helpful for us here in America is because it's easy in a sense to believe in Jesus here. There's not persecution. Um, So someone can say they believe in Jesus, but it doesn't necessarily cost them a lot. At least it doesn't perceive like that here in America. I was listening to a sermon. It was actually by David Platt last night, actually driving down to Portland. And he was in Asia and two two brothers are getting baptized, and the guy who's about to baptize them says, Look, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to be baptized knowing that this very that this faith very well may cost you your yeah. faith? And your so wife, one guy's an older guy, and you know, he walks through and says, Yes, I, I do. I, I believe in Jesus Christ and I want to be baptized. And then the other guy is like a teenager, and he turns and he says, Jesus is my life. Of course, I will be baptized with him if it costs me my life. Yeah. Um, you know, so when you're in other parts of the world or, or places that are dominated by Islam, like people coming out of that, they realize that cost right away. They, I think, they better understand that transformation from the very beginning. And so, I just think we need to realize, because of cultural, uh, the cultural reality that we live in, we don't have those pressures. Uh, And so there's a a tendency for people to, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not really know what it is to live by faith. And so they have a wrong view of Christianity. Therefore, they have a wrong view of salvation. So I think we as pastors, we really need to flesh out saved by grace through faith so we live like
1: Jesus. And I think we, in in our world, we're a consumeristic mindset. And so the way the gospel is often preached or the way we receive it, we receive it as a consumer. Yes, I like it. I'll buy. And yeah. and if I don't like it, I'll put it back on the shelf or I'll just, you know, I'll put it away or I'll throw it away. Uh, where really the gospel is we are the ones consumed. Our life has changed. Yeah. We, we, when you understand the gospel, that now is your life. We are the ones that are absorbed. Yeah. Uh, and and so that, it's a completely different mindset. You're right. I mean, wh- what do we have to fear? Like, well, I'm, in, we're in, I'm in Portland, you know, Hillsboro. And there's some contention. That, you know, I have family members that, that really would say anyone who believes in God is stupid and has said as much publicly. Uh, I have aggressive atheistic cousins. I have, you know... Uh, Uh, other family members and friends even for whom, you know, wouldn't accept a word. And and what is the most that I'm going to suffer from them? Right. Maybe some, maybe maybe some some slander, maybe some
0: slander, maybe some loss of relationship. Yeah. Maybe because, because you're a bigot because, you know, name calling and you're narrow minded. And so they,
1: you'll, you'll lose that relationship basically. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some credibility on, from, from them. but, but nothing to the extent of what these brothers in India would right. have to suffer. Uh, nothing to that extent, uh, and and part of it is is the works of their faith is going to prove genuine their faith, and that's and that I mean, it goes back to chapter one, right? Uh, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Yeah. For these things, what do they do? They prove the genuineness of your faith. Yeah, that's. That's what, um, part of what I think James is, is putting forth there. Hey, I wanted to go back to one more thing you said, and just, just for the sake of our, our listeners, we can't take one verse in the Bible out of context, not just out of the context of the book, meaning James, but we also have to read that verse in the context of the entirety of Scripture. Right. So understanding how James meant it is one thing, and then understanding how it fits in, into the entirety of Scripture is is another, right? Um, so so that's why we can say, hey, faith without works is dead. You know, your 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 works, yeah, they're going to justify you. They're going to justify your faith. They're going to show that genuine, but you are not justified by works of the law. Yeah,
0: because we'd have to take that. And place it, like, right next to to Romans 5, 1, where it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And and he goes on. um, And all in chapter 4, he's explaining that we're saved by faith. Um, in, In Galatians, the whole book of Galatians is, you know, you are not saved by works but by faith. And so you either which is what Martin Luther and others have done, well, James is at odds. So you either come to that or you say, well, wait a minute. Are we reading James rightly? Yeah. Yep. And we come into the context of James where he's really speaking to Christians. I mean, that, that, when you come into it, he says, Count it, I'll join my, my brothers. He's speaking to believers, yeah. telling them this is what it looks like to live by faith. The, the question he's answering is not how does one get saved. It is because you are saved, how does
1: one live? Yeah. And so. Um, well, and the works are different. I mean, look, Paul's talking about religious rites, religious ceremonies, circumcision, uh, washings, uh, different right. ceremonial things that the Jews thought purified them, but they actually represented or pointed to the one who would purify them. Right. And And James is talking about the outworking of faith, which is works, which is the, what, this is what faith produces. Faith produces taming of the tongue. Faith produces loving the poor, taking care of the sick, taking care of the needy. Faith produces a life pursuant of God in holiness. Right. So I went back to holiness, by the way. Well, and what
0: I, what I love is I really think verse 22 is extremely essential for understanding James. Where he says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, in verse 21, he says that we need to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so, um, we're to continually receive God's word. Uh, it's like the air that we breathe. We, we have the word in us, and we need to keep receiving the word. We have air inside of us, yet we keep breathing, so we keep living we need to keep receiving God's Word uh, so that we would we'd grow in our knowledge of God, that we'd live like Him. And then I think verse 22 explains that. So what does it mean to receive the Word? It means to hear and do. And this doing, and then he fleshes that out, what, what it looks like. Uh, we, in our churches, in America, and everywhere, we need to make sure that this book this precious word of God that we have is not something that just sits on a nightstand is not something we just carry to church on Sundays. It's not something we just read in spare time, but we're reading it in order to truly hear it and do it, which means we have to be wrestling with what is God's word calling me to do? How's God's word challenging my life? Uh, how is God changing me? Mm-hmm. How is this revealing who God is? And, mm-hmm. And and who I am in Him, you know, we need to be wrestling with this, with these questions every time we're in the Word. Not just okay, I read, I put the Bible down, but it is God's living Word that it would change us, that it would mold us, that this is the the Spirit's means in which we are transformed more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all that we need right here in God's Word. Man, we just need to spend, I think, more time in God's word and quality time in God's word. Um, Man, I think if if we were to have our people uh, to do that, if you and I even were to be able to have more time in God's word, where we're really just saying, What is God saying, and how am I to live this out? How do I become more like Jesus? I, mean, I think that would be pretty exciting just within our churches, and I, think that's what, I just think that's what James is calling us to do.
1: So, yeah, our pursuit, how, how do we become more like Christ, or how, do, how, do, yeah. how does our faith produce these works? Yeah. You know, as, as part of you know, what, what we as pastors are trying to answer or you know, trying to help our people answer and yeah. live out you know, on a weekly basis. What does this look like? What does living your faith out look like? Wow. In James, it says, come into the word
0: where you're, you're beholding the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You're beholding who Jesus is. You're seeing how God has revealed himself in Christ. And and in that, you see who you are, that you are now a, a servant of God, that you're now a child of God, that you're now a citizen within God's kingdom, that you're now indwelt by his spirit. So,
1: yeah. And it's changing you. Yeah. And it has its effect, Right. It, it, all the way to the very it end produces all the way to the end. Awesome.
0: Cool. So I'm excited. This is where we're at book yeah. of James. I encourage everyone. Just read the book of James and, and let your prayer be God change me. God challenge me. God convict me. Uh, God, I think that's what James does. He's writing to convict us. He's writing to challenge us. He's writing to change us. And so where you feel that, that weight on you don't feel like it's a, it's a pressure, like, to earn your salvation. Rather feel, this is what God's calling you into. And he's already given you the spirit. He's given you everything you need to live this way. And now he's saying, this is how I'm calling you to live. And and just see that where you're feeling that, that maybe that pressure in your life. That's the spirit shepherding you right there, drawing you into how he would call you to live. Um,
1: Well, hey, man, um, love it. Would you want to pray us out? Yeah, let's do it. Father, we come to you
0: in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for all 66 books of the Bible, that, God, you've inspired them, that they come with your full authority, that they are inerrant, that they are for the purpose of teaching, rebuking, correcting, training us in righteousness. God, we thank you for the book of James that that so fleshes out the Christian life. And, God, it does. It presses on our pride. It presses on just every aspect of our life. Lord, I pray that we would come to your word with humility, with meekness, that we receive your word, that you would change us, that, God, you would challenge us in, in, in how we live, convict us of sin, but, God, conform us more into the image of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you uh, for all that you've given us. We thank you for the spirit who dwells within us to empower us, to strengthen us. And, God, may we go about today knowing that you are in us, guiding us, and shepherding us.
1: In your name, Jesus, amen. You have been listening to Satisfied. You can find more of uh, resources. Uh, Another thing, <laughs> this is horrible stuff. stuff uh, www what, what do we got to put up there anyway today? What do we got? Um, the whole book of James.
0: You know, I got some. I got some good little easy commentaries. Uh, okay. can blah blah. blah yep. Easy
1: commentaries on James that are super readable. I'll throw a couple of those up there. Great. Maybe something about Martin Luther and his struggle too with. Yeah. I think that'd be interesting just to know historically and the didache or didache or however else you want to pronounce it. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks for listening.